Hey! Let's talk about food and music, eating and grooving, munching and moving, forking and spooning, listening to tunes, yeah, dinner's on soon, and get ready for, ready for, peanut butter and jams. You're listening to Peanut Butter and Jams with host Brenda and Jordy on CITR 101.9. Exploring local music and local food. Tune in to learn about the best eats and tunes from your neighborhood. And a weekly pairing for your date calendar. Warning, the endorsements and criticism expressed during the show are the opinions of the host, unless clearly identified as advertising. Put in your earbuds and fire up your taste buds. It's peanut butter and jams. Hello, it's peanut butter and jams. Hello, happy Thursday. Ah, uh, the happiest Thursday of all. Everyone knows that this is the best Thursday of the year. I, I'm feeling it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, guess whose birthday it is? Whose birthday is it? It's Pancake's birthday, my dog. Oh, wow. And perfect name for this show. Yeah. Happy birthday, Pancake. Happy birthday. I know you're an avid listener. <laughs> yes, she does listen. Um, she actually has heard the show before. She gets really confused because she hears my voice and she can't figure out where it's coming from. And then she barks. I love that. Um, yeah, dogs. Anyhow, moving on. Uh, what, do we have, what do we have planned for the show today, Brenda? Well, we're going to play a couple songs and then we're going to have an interview with the people from Callister Brewing. That's correct. Yeah, we're going to talk to them. And then we're going to talk to uh, me and Darcy my lovely wife, um, about zero waste in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Very exciting show. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let's uh, let's play a song. Um, we went through and picked a bunch of... Uh, we've got a, some old favorites for this so- uh, show this week. Um, they would be uh, in your sent mail folder. There would be something that was just sent to me. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to start with a track by Andy Dixon. This is a this is a great Andy Dixon track. This is off of The Mice of Mount Career and this is the I guess it's as close as it comes to a title track for the uh album. It's called Mount Career. And Andy Dixon actually did the art and there's some artwork in the brewery for Four Winds. So just like a nice beer tie-in as well. Oh yeah, I guess that is a nice um tie-in to the beer community.
Someone tied the flag wrong with this knot. Someone tied the flag wrong, they'll get caught. Someone tied the flag wrong, now it's falling down from the sky. I want Invisible hands upon the mound Legless foot, faceless eyes, armless hounds Horses held, living on gas, We're on the air with uh, we're on the air with Chris from Callister Brewing. Thanks so much for calling in. No problem. As and, uh, I believe someone else is with you. Uh, no, just myself no, actually. Just, okay, sorry. I, I was <laughs> 
Perfect. So, yeah, this is Brenda, host of the show, and Jordy. Hey, that's me. Awesome. Perfect. And we're live on CITR 101.9 FM. And cool. can you tell us a bit about the history of Callister, when you started, and what the concept is? Uh, well, we opened in July, uh, July 9th of 2015, so we've been open just about seven months now. Um, we are named for a historic park here in Vancouver. Uh, Callister Park is located over at uh, Renfrew and Oxford Streets, just across from the Coliseum. Uh, and there used to be a stadium there called Callister Park Stadium. And my grandfather was its caretaker from 1949 to 1970 when they closed it. And in fact, they lived in a, uh, a suite inside the stadium. And my father grew up there, basically has the stadium as his backyard. Uh, so that's kind of our little East Van connection. Uh, and yeah, so we decided to open a brewery in, in East Vancouver, and we have uh, sort of a unique uh, model that we decided to try out where we've actually created what we call a collaborative incubator brewery uh, that allows us to not only brew ourselves, but we've actually invited three other brewers in with us uh, to work as a bit of a startup program for them. So kind with like a, uh, you know, a future in mind of them starting up their own brewery, this gives them a year's worth of experience and exposure recipe development, branding, um, that allows them to kind of get ready for their own, um, their own space uh, down the road. And similar in the tech environment, we have an incubator that allows smaller companies to grow up within a smaller one. We decided the, the brewing industry could, could uh, benefit from the same thing. So, like, the idea is that um, they get started uh, w working with you guys in yeah. the brewery, and then if, they're ha if they work out a successful way to brew their beer and get their ideas for their recipes down pat, then they can kind of move on and start their own brewery? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, having that year under your belt is a pretty valuable experience, even just from going looking for financing. You know, banks are looking for some kind of experience. Uh, and if you can actually show that you now have a year's worth of, of doing this work and, and actually showing sales and, and that sort of thing, uh, financiers are a lot more willing to look at you. Uh, and you've also built up your audience. So, you know, the, the, the guys that we have working here already have already built up quite a, quite a following. And so when they, when they venture out on their own, there's already going to be a crowd of people ready to go and, and, and buy their beers from their own space. So the people involved with you at the brewery, the other brewers, actually have a fair amount of brewing experience. Uh, Chester Carey from the BC Beer Awards and Adam yep. from Camera. Um, have they been brewing for a while, or do, do they need that leg up in the same way of other independent brewers? Well, uh, we all basically started as home brewers. Uh, so with the exception of Adam Chapburn, uh, none of us actually had commercial brewing experience before this. Um, Adam Chapburn, former president of Camera, uh, did get his start in the Blackburn Inn in, in Blackburn, Lancashire, and an all-cask brewery there. Uh, but the rest of us basically have really only done it from a homebrew scale. Uh, so it's, this is kind of a new venture for all of us. Uh, Chester does have lots of background in a variety of areas, including being, uh, you know, a Cicerone uh, portfolio manager for Brewery Creek uh, and, and so on and so forth. But this is his first foray into commercial brewing. And then uh, Machine Ales, which is Adam Henderson and Matt Colon. Uh, they are both uh, BJCP-ranked judges, uh, you know, awarded uh, home brewers as well. Adam Henderson has Copper and Theory, which is a, a beer um, importer and distributor. But again, they've not had uh, commercial exposure before. So, um, you know, the nice thing about brewing is that you can take a homebrew scale and, and scale it up commercially relatively easily. But 
having that little extra experience and kind of working things out in a, in a smaller scale is pretty beneficial. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, are you guys a brewery that does bottling or are you just uh, kegs and bo- uh, that you send to bars and serve in your tasting room sort of uh, Yeah, right now our focus is absolutely selling in our tasting room. So we have a full lounge license, which allows us to sell uh, up to 20 ounces at a time um, and, and, and tasting flights and all of that, as well as growler fills. And we do sell kegs out to certain uh, pubs and restaurants locally. But yeah, we don't have any bottling or canning capabilities at the moment. And we're pretty happy not to. Uh, that's a whole other uh, you know, labor and cost and, and real estate needed for that, as well as needing sales rep to get you shelf space and all that sort of thing. So we're pretty happy to focus on, on draft sales for now, mm-hmm. uh, but it might be one of those future considerations. Well, it sounds like you know at least one sales rep. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. How much collaboration happening happens between brewers? Do you find there's that atmosphere of sharing knowledge and and uh, improving each other's beers? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's definitely one of the big benefits of this model for us. Uh, is that we all get to learn from each other. Uh, we all have very different brewing styles, um, which kind of comes from the different beers that we like to make, and it's very interesting and, and informative to watch other people brew and help them out and just kind of pick up different different tricks and on how they do certain things uh, and, and share that information. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a really small um, um, version of the brewing industry itself. Like, we work quite closely and collaboratively with the whole industry. We're always talking about what we're doing and what we're trying um, with other brewers in, in, the, in the neighborhood. And so, yeah, it, it, it really is reflected here in the brewery as well. And do you see any themes happening, like everyone ends up brewing the same but very different types of beer because different trends are happening? Does that just happen automatically, or do you ever plan out certain types of themes in your brewery? Generally, it happens pretty organically, but we do try to, uh, you know, over the course of the winter, for example, we've tried to make sure that we're not all brewing stouts at the same time. So we've kind of meted out who, who gets to do a stout now and who's going to do a stout later. But generally, just because we all have slightly different focuses, it, it tends to work out quite well that we're not overlapping too much. Uh, Adam Chapper and doing a, you know, a very English cask program versus uh, Chester, who's doing a Belgian uh, table beer focus. And the machine guys, that very much a hop-forward kind of Pacific Northwest style, um, kind of frees even me up to do lots of different things where I don't I don't feel the need to have to put out, uh, you know, an IPA all the time because I know that's being covered uh, by another brewer. Uh, so it just it works quite well actually that we all sort of complement each other's styles uh, quite nicely. And as a result, for example, right now we have 10 beers on tap that cover a you know real wide variety of, of styles. Would um, do you foresee that changing um, as the various uh, people there, maybe someone spreads their wings and goes to uh, uh, find their own uh, brewery, and then all of a sudden you don't have one of these types of beers anymore. Would you look for someone who would be inclined to fill that, or would you guys just try change your um, change up the sort of things that you brew? It's absolutely a consideration. Um, you know, we're, we're the program is basically for one year, so coming this summer is going to be the maturation for these guys. And we'll be looking at replacing uh, a couple of the spots with new people. And so, yeah, we've definitely got to consider if somebody else is coming in, what styles do they do, and is, it, is that going to work within this model? Uh, fortunately, you know, there's, there are so many beer styles out there 
um, that you know we don't really have to get pigeonholed in any one area. Our one of our goals was to never really have any flagship beer. We're always going to be constantly changing things, being very responsive and very seasonal. So uh, yeah, with a, with a couple of people um, that are as yet unnamed that we've got uh, planned for uh, the upcoming year, uh, I think will fit into this model very well. As again, they have fairly distinct styles and and ways of doing things, and uh, I think it's going to again kind of encourage that diversity quite nicely. Around so, um, what time do you plan on switching people over? When can people? When are people? Uh, Got to get in there by to make sure that they taste your, uh, the current types of beers. Uh, so the, the current current beers will definitely be around until July, and then that'll kind of be the, the switchover point. And you have set partnerships for the year. Yeah. And can people apply? Should they start knocking on their doors if they're home brewers and want to get in on this? Yeah, uh, we're always open to talking to people who are interested. In fact, you know, one of the programs that we're doing right now is we call it the Home Brewer Highlight. So we we bring in home brewers on a regular basis to, to come and brew a batch on our pilot system and then we'll put that batch on in our lounge uh, as just kind of a way to say hey you know here's here's what uh, a whole bunch of the home brewers are doing in this town um, and showcasing their skills uh, when we when we started on this uh, idea a few years ago we, we got involved with van brewers and we're immediately impressed with just the, the sheer knowledge uh, brewing knowledge and skill that was within that that group of people and knew right away that okay, if we make this brewery happen, we have to, you know, we, we want to make this a, a, a showcase for these guys because they don't necessarily have the opportunity to get out into commercial space. So we'd like to make that happen. Are the so people that you meet at Van Brewers um, are they all interested in starting a commercial brewery, or are some of them more not inclined at all. to just? Um, most people are very happy to just brew themselves and, and brew at home and. and and hone that craft in a, in a very hobby-like way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always a few that have that dream that, that want to take it to another level, and that was, that was our dream. You know, we just knew that making beer and being in this industry was kind of what we wanted um, to make our, our life about, and so we took that leap, and we know there's definitely lots of other people that, that do as well, but it's not everybody. You know, there's hundreds of people in that organization, and many of them are very happy to do what they do, and then beer is more of a hobby. And from a business standpoint, have you found that a challenge? Or have you found it sort of easy in today's beer <laughs> market to open your doors and have people flood in? I uh, wouldn't say it was that easy. Uh, it's always a challenge to find your place. You know, in the marketplace, we still have people who come in every day that had never heard of us before, even seven months in. So we've been, we've been successful with the, with the kind of uh, craft beer uh, knowledgeable people who are who are constantly following this thing, and our goal is now to sort of spread that word to more and more people to, to kind of discover us and discover our little neighborhood here because we have such a great concentration of of other breweries, and that's just about getting out to other festivals and getting out to other events and, and being in front of people, and that's definitely taking its time. And uh, you know, the business aspect of it is is always challenging, but again, it's such a welcoming and fun industry that it's hard to get too discouraged. And what are you brewing right now? Uh, well, I'm just about getting ready to package a uh, dry Irish stout. Uh, so that's going to be all kind of roasty and, and um, dark characters. So not really on the chocolate side, but definitely on the kind of more coffee side of things. And then I've got a, a hop forward uh, pale ale uh, that should be ready by next week. And after that, I'm not quite sure yet. Well, that sounds uh, excellent. Um, we'll let you get back to that. Uh, if people want to find out about 
how to uh, where your what your address is, what mm -hmm. your um, hours are. Uh, what is your website? So that's uh, callisterbrewing.com, C-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R, brewing.com. And yeah, we've got uh, our hours, a little bit about the story, and we've always try to have the most current beer list up there uh, as well. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks so much, Chris. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. And um, I think I have a song there by New Sensei that would be a good song to go into now. Um, thanks so much to uh, Chris and Callister Brewing for chatting with us. Mm -hmm. I've been meaning to get there for a long time, but I keep hitting it on the day when they're closed. Let's listen in as one poor soul tries to find something good to enjoy on the radio. Let's see here. Uh... Oh. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Oh. Everybody. God, this is awful. Climbed up the mountain, climbed back down again for you. I climbed up the mountain again for you, and then I climbed back down, climbed up. Oh, isn't there anything, 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 anything? anything? 
Listening to the radio these days can be distressing. Fortunately, here at CITR, our programmers choose the music that they play, so our charts reflect what people actually listen to. To find out what's really chopping the charts, pick up a copy of Discorder magazine, or check us out online at citr.ca. Unless, of course, you'd rather keep listening to the chart-topping single, Everybody Dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Everybody dance. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? <laughs> Everybody Hey, let's. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam speaking Musqueam people. So we just played some new I sensei. Like that everybody dance, dance. I would listen to that. Yeah, that's like your type of thing. Uh, so now we're going to play a pre-recorded segment that Jordy, Jordy, Darcy, the Darcy and Jordy prepared. correspondent slash lovely wife. Exactly. Prepared, prepared for you. And can you give us a bit of a preamble? Um, so basically, uh, Darcy and I are attempting to make, create less garbage in our lives um, by making our um, house uh, buy things that you like buy nothing that we have to throw out. We haven't totally 100% done it, but we're making um, we're making a fairly concentrated effort. And uh, we're talking about how we did it in the kitchen um, in this segment here. Great. So let's yeah. give it a listen. Hello, this is uh, Peanut Butter and Jams with me, Jordy, and my lovely wife, Darcy. Hello. And our lovely dog, Pancake. Pancake, have you been on the show before? Make a barking noise. Uh, well, she's that was Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are here to talk about uh, something that we have attempted to start doing recently. I should give Darcy more of the credit. This was primarily Darcy's idea, and I reluctantly <laughs> changed some of my ways for it. Yeah. Um, Darcy, what are we talking about? Uh, we are changing our home and consumption habits to be zero waste. Mm -hmm. And um, for, uh, for the listener, what does it mean to be zero waste? Um, so it mainly means no consuming waste. Um, so in the purest form, that means no garbage. So um, it means no creating garbage. No creating garbage, no buying garbage, um, no, yeah, basically buying useless things that, that are just, that just end up in the trash when there are perfectly good alternatives. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's also a lot of other things to it as well. Um, mainly that recycling while it is good is not necessarily the best uh, alternative. Mm -hmm. So don't just buy something in a paper wrapper instead of a plastic wrapper when you actually could buy no wrapper at all and um, save uh, a lot of energy and resources as opposed to just uh, having something end up in the landfill. Mm -hmm. And um, what is what is our incentive for doing this? Um, 
I think it's mainly environmental and just mm-hmm. having a um, having a, a a way to actually make make a difference in a small way that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the things that I learned or started learning about after I started reading and researching it seemed so obvious, but having never actually thought about that before, they should have been more obvious to me, Can but you they give weren't. An example? Um, buying certain things that were absolutely non-recyclable or recyclable at all. Yeah. Or, Such as? Um, like individual yogurt containers or any sort of like stand up, uh, plastic packaging. Mm. I wouldn't have even think twice about that. I would have just thought, you know, that should be fine. There's no problem there. Um, but there is, um, so yeah, just not only making a difference like ecologically and sustainably, but also, um, just kind of having, uh, a better. Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by stand up plastic packets? Um, sure. So when you're in the grocery store and there are uh, plastic packaging that lays down, mm-hmm. um, on one on top of each other or plastic packaging that has like a little pouch at the bottom that mm-hmm. makes it stiff and it stands up. Mm-hmm. Um, what that is, is basically plastic, um, heated over top of plastic over and over again to make it really stiff, to make it being able to stand up packaging, uh, people like that more because, uh, um, you can see it easier in the store, mm-hmm. so it makes more sales. So that's why some brands use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually way worse in terms of recycling or garbage because it is just so much more There's more plastic, plastic being used. Being used exactly. Um, okay, so let's talk mostly about how this is affecting us in the kitchen. Um, I should just say that. Um, while I was reluctant, it wasn't because I didn't believe in the environmental cause behind this, um, which I do. I do think that it's noble to be um, thinking of the environment and trying to create less waste. What um, bothered me was primarily that I would have to give up certain things um, that I love, which is primarily deals. Yes. But there are deals in other ways. There are deals in other ways, but some I'm a I'm a big believer in scrounging the whole store and being like, hmm, that's where that's where the deal is. And now I have to like look away from certain deals mm-hmm. and be like, oh, that's a deal, but it's covered in plastic, so I can't yeah take advantage of this deal. Just think of it as um, you know the the cost is is being levied on you in another kind of way. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, uh, so let's talk about how this affected us in the kitchen. Okay. Um, what is the, what are the main things that we've changed about how we grocery shop and store things in the kitchen? Um, so the first thing we did was we got some bulk bags and we have been primarily shopping bulk for These are, a lot of things. By bulk bags, she means like I reusable mean, cloth Reusable bulk cloth bags. bags. And I mean for bulk specifically. So mm-hmm. 100% cotton um, bags that have a drawstring, really lightweight, and they're great for bulk items like beans and rice and granola mm-hmm. and baker's chocolate and whatever you need. Yeah, we haven't found... I haven't seen... That we have bags for flour yet. No, but I will but be making those. Yeah. 
Um, so that's one of the big things. And also just shopping the bulk section more than we normally do. Mm -hmm. Um, we were never opposed to bulk before, but it wasn't something that we would first think of. Whereas now it's going to be our main go-to aside from I would usually price, I would usually price compare. I would look at the bulk versus the non-bulk things and figure out what's cheaper by weight. Yeah. And then just go with whatever that was. Yeah. Um, but now we're, we're focusing more on the bulk stuff and it's actually not too expensive i mean there are things obviously that you don't buy in bulk because they are expensive um but most of the staples are are pretty affordable yeah like um there's lots of beans and dried fruit and a lot of baking goods can be found um yeah found baking soda baking powder we haven't needed to buy some of these things yet but when we do we'll try and get them in bulk so we end up with um flour baking soda, salt, sugar mm -hmm. from bulk supply stores. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing we've been doing is bringing um, jars for meat when we go and buy meat from mm -hmm. the uh, butcher or from the grocery store. Um, the grocery store is a little trickier, but the butcher will pack throw, throw stuff into meat pretty easily. Yeah. The deli will too if the you're getting like, sandwich too. meat or olives or whatever mm -hmm. and um or even pre-made salads and stuff you can still get those if you yeah without like concern about accidentally creating a bunch of waste yeah absolutely um but those are the main things that i can think of um and then for anything that we can't find alternatives for or if we can't find it bulk mm -hmm. um we're either making it home or we're just cutting out um, as I have done with Doritos and Jordy has very reluctantly done with Hawkins cheesies. These are our, our favorite snack foods that we will have to say goodbye to. Uh, we forever. have made a few exceptions for now, which are, we're going to keep as exceptions until we can find, um, good alternatives, good alternatives to them. And some of them we can start making, but we're, we haven't been able to yet. Mm -hmm. Um, canned tomatoes, coconut milk tofu i don't know if we're going to be able to find alternative and sources of tofu and coconut yogurt. milk but um we've also started going to a place called uh the soap dispensary yeah. a lot um which is a really cool store Great store um uh, they don't just sell soap they also sell a lot of food um and bathroom supplies and they are very environmentally conscious they if you bring a any, any, any container, container they if they have the thing so we found out that they carry olive oil vinegar soy sauce honey all sorts of edibles they even have bulk tortilla chips it's yeah you can just bring fantastic. a container they'll fill it up it's cheaper um because you're not buying a, con a container so it's actually a really good deal mm -hmm. um to take the stuff there and fill it up and and you reuse a container that you already have so yeah. we went and got um like a liter of soy sauce and it cost like 350 380 yeah 380 yeah which um is good it's good soy sauce and um that's like not a bad price on on that amount of soy sauce at yeah all. The good thing about um, that store, too, is it's a really great place to kind of take stock of what things you need might need to do if you did want to start doing zero waste and how few of them you actually have to make on your own because they have it there. Mm -hmm. So it actually made going zero waste so much easier. 
I do like that I can still get a lot of things uh, refilled there. Mm-hmm. Um, one other exception we've made is for alcohol, because unless we get re- we run a cocktail supply store, and unless we get real illegal about our home <laughs> distilling, um, which we haven't even started trying to do yet, um, we would be unable to buy liquor, and we would be really weird owners of a cocktail supply store who don't yeah. drink at all but all or the bottles we would only be buying beer filled in growlers yeah but which all the bottles love, that we get are recyclable but, but we also love cocktails yeah yeah so yeah we're focusing more on glass glass bottles with, mm-hmm. uh, with regards to alcohol recycling them as much as possible mm-hmm. or all recycling all of them yeah so it's been um so far it has been definitely a little bit of a routine buster mm-hmm. um and breaking your routines is probably the hardest part um and like feeling comfortable talking to like people in grocery stores people in grocery stores who might like not know what you're talking about when you're mm-hmm. like i want to use like i want to use this jar or something like that instead mm-hmm. of the styrofoam containers you have out here for the meat and stuff like that but when you explain it to them they usually pretty good about it yeah i found that the people who i've asked so far which have been a lot of people um most people understand and they actually are totally fine with whatever container you're bringing mm-hmm. um they, and they can um tear it which is yeah they can take so the weight of the container the off of the container um as long as they are they know that you're not trying to ask for a discount is mm-hmm. their main concern and yeah. once they know that you're just trying to buy stuff without the packaging mm-hmm. they're totally fine with it um but yeah, it's 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 been a routine changer, but just making a different kind of routine. So more mm-hmm. of like um, a weekly shop mm-hmm. for staples as opposed to running to the grocery store on your way home from work and picking up something that we're behind on. Yeah, so it does also a lot involve more a little bit of um, yeah, a little bit of, a little bit more planning for sure. Like when we run out of a condiment. Um, or if we're about to run out of a condiment, we need to know whether we can get it somewhere, like just refilling a bottle or something like that. And if we can't, we need to start planning how to make it, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of fun for some condiments. I don't know. Maybe it'll become, feel chore-like later, but right now it's been, uh, been okay to make, I've been making lots of bread. Um, yeah, lately. which is so much better than mm-hmm. buying bread at a store. Fresh baked bread mm-hmm. every few days is amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Darcy's going to make ketchup soon. Yes. I was sick the last two days and I did promise I would make it, but then I didn't. Yeah. So, but it's coming. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we got these things coming. I've made ketchup before. It's not too hard. It's mm-hmm. a and But we'll also be sharing a lot of these recipes with... Um, the listeners of peanut butter and jams in the future um when we find good ones and stuff that we haven't talked about before yeah definitely all right well uh i think that's it yeah but uh thanks for talking no problem and uh back to brenda and jordy in the studio bye it's discorder's 33rd birthday and we're giving you a present discorder tv a new YouTube miniseries that will bring you interviews and other video content with local bands. We're celebrating our birthday with the Discorder TV launch party on February 10th at the Lido. We've got DJ Roman Total 17 providing the tunes, and of course, our birthday party is 19 plus and free. Special thanks to the Lido and Vivo Media Arts for sponsoring the event.
In celebration of Black History Month, the African Descent Society will be holding a forum on February 20th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. at East Hastings Ray Cam Community Center. The forum will feature panel discussions and presentations by professors, MLAs, UN workers, and other experts who will be discussing a variety of topics, including racial discrimination, immigration and refugees, and a special honoring of the historical black community of Hogan's Alley. There will also be music, drum circles, food, crafts, poetry, storytelling, and a heritage walk tour. So come and join this forum on February 20th. I just wanted to do a nice experimental music radio show and maybe throw in some of my talking that anonymous, like a a private body sense in your podcast. I mean, I think I can, I can talk and that's good enough. Fight or flight music Sometimes. for things that are not alright. I just. Radio essays and travesties, radio catechisms, half baked philosophy and criticism, experimental beat music, avant garde, post punk, industrial.
That was the band Rooms. Yes, they're great. They were great. The they song was top called... of the Discorder charts right now. Huh? It followed us home. Off. It takes a lot to show up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All female band. Great. Really good. Um, thank you for talking to us about Zero Waste Kitchen. Yeah, no problem. Uh, we will definitely be sharing recipes for um, condiments and things like that. And I want to learn a bit more about where the best places to shop and how mm-hmm. to make these bags. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know how Darcy's going to make them, but once she's made them, she'll, I'll get her to talk about them. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, so next up is a Rendezvous de la Francophonie radio documentary produced by Prince uh, Seifer in Prince George. And the project is a national project between the Rendezvous de la Francophonie and the National Campus and Community Radio Association to produce programming celebrating Francophone culture in mm-hmm. Canada. So yeah, this is for interviews talking with different Francophone people in Prince George. And um, just uh, if you uh, if you are feeling like you're like I don't speak any French, that sounds daunting. Um, it's actually in English, so um, you will understand most of it. I checked mm-hmm. with Brenda. So, she said it was all in English. Yeah, so we're gonna play one last song. Who's the thief? From a data plan is free by Data Plan, and then you'll hear some information about French culture. Mm-hmm. And in two weeks, we're interviewing. A chef, two chefs actually from Growing Chefs, an organization Ooh. that teaches youth cooking skills and educates them around food production. Oh, I also want to say that um, make sure you stay tuned for Thunderbird Radio Hell after the Francophone special because Ben Lai is playing a bunch of weird old shindig bands that he has dis- discovered. Uh, that he uh, it's Ben Lai's last shindig tomorrow and. To, for his show, he is playing a lot of like weird bands from people who are kind of music personalities around town before they are in the bands that they are better known for being in. They played in like weird little pro- projects that now you can hear them too. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, stay tuned. Uh, what else? Uh, I don't know what else we have planned for the upcoming shows, but uh, I'm certainly looking forward to to it. To, yeah, to doing them. Great. Uh, so yeah, so we'll listen to Data Plan and come to Shindig. The last Shindig is tomorrow, and we always dress up, and it's Ben Lai's last Shindig. Mm-hmm. So come. We hope to see you there, Pat's Pub, tomorrow. Thanks for listening.
Rendez-vous de la Francophonie is an annual celebration that promotes the French language, heritage, and its numerous cultures.